and we're live. This is a totally unrehearsed podcast. <laughs> I am in the, what do you call it, the uh, downtown crossing headquarters mm-hmm. yep. of an emphasis security. You guys uh, have made the papers lately <laughs> uh, for some uh, vulnerabilities you exposed in the SAP HANA system. But in it, fact, you guys are white hat types. I'm joined by Alex, Alex, and Dave. Is that pretty yep, much right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so you guys feel free to talk over each other. We haven't rehearsed this at all, so let's just go informally. First of all, do you, do you think of yourselves as white hat hackers? Is that is that how you like to be described? Or I don't think of myself as white hat hacker as much as I think of myself as a security partner. Okay. I, I'm always looking for ways to improve the security of whether it be the company or whether it be the products that are out there. And the more you work with products, everything's interconnected nowadays. And if we're trying to silo it off and just protect our own thing, we're never going to succeed. For us us to defeat the people who are actually intentionally trying to hack for nefarious reasons, you got to work together. You got to contribute. And if I find a problem on your system... I should tell you about it and help you identify it. Yeah, and and really, it's about solving the uh, disconnect between finding the technical problem and how it impacts the business, and that's right. where uh, Onapsis really comes in. Right, where we're able to help organizations understand how that technical vulnerability will impact the business information that's living on, you know, their their SAP systems and Oracle systems. Now, I will say the title, though, of White Hat Hacker, <laughs> when I met Black Sounds Hat at Death Con, <laughs> yeah. it's a much better title <laughs> yeah, than just, cool. you know, my standard sure. title. So I'll take it. It's but got a little sex It does have a little appeal there. <laughs> I should name the company White yeah. Oh, it's oh wait, that's already taken. <laughs> By the way, that was Dave. We got Dave. I, I can't tell you when Alex and Dave were talking. We're just going to have to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so how does this whole thing, how do you look? You guys have been involved in this industry for a long time, so... Um, I mean, even just thinking back a few years ago, I could think about enterprise software vendors that would have been pretty hostile to any type of, out- they would have put every kind of hacker in the same category. I don't care if you're trying to help their customers or not. Are you're you not seeing them. change? Yeah. I think we are seeing change, mm-hmm. and, and I'll even help some of you. This is Dave Crandall. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the change that we're seeing really centers around the willingness to accept help. Uh, a lot of products out there were much more comfortable saying, don't touch our stuff, leave us alone, we'll, we'll take care of it, we'll deal with internal. And they've hired, you know, many of these companies have hired some of the best white hat hackers in the industry to work internally. But the truth is, with, you know, with the amount of threats that are out there, with the amount of stuff that's going on, you need everybody's eyes helping you find the vulnerabilities. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think you you can hire those people, and I think it's good that companies are doing it, but you do end up with a bit of institutional blindness if you're just looking at the same software, the same code all the time. So I think uh, I agree with you. We've gone through a transition. I describe it um, as these uh, these large vendors kind of go through the various stages of grief. Like initially there's denial. We don't have right. any problems. Why are you looking for problems? We don't have Don't any. look at our stuff. It's and fine. Then, you know, and then finally they <laughs> yeah. get into acceptance and, you know, all right, you can help. But we see the value you're providing. So the companies go through it. And I think types. now they're hitting that next level where they're really saying, we want your help. We have a lot of our partners are reaching out to us mm-hmm. and saying, have you seen new things here? Or, you know, let us, let us get you the latest information, the latest sets of code so that you can help contribute to making it more secure. Though, Alex, you're making a point that in some ways some of the cloud, the surge in cloud uh, apps has set us back a little bit because some of the cloud vendors are back on that party line of, you know, your data is secure with us because they're trying to counteract a lot of 
fear, uncertainty, and doubt around cloud security. Yeah, they're they're also trying to uh, state that you know their services that they provide are going to be uh, kind of turnkey for your organization, so you don't have to hire all these different uh, you know security folks that'll uh, that'll. Uh, uh, be handled by their company, but you know it's it's really less about um, they're going backward. It's just expanding the complexity because what yeah. organizations are doing is they're going from complete on-prem. We're going to establish it. We're going to put perimeter around it. We're going to know what traffic is coming in, who's coming into the systems based on user identification and what have you. And now they're basically saying, okay, we need to go into a cloud environment, you know, with a hybrid cloud environment. So what products and systems can be put out there? Who do we work with? There's third-party vendors. There's new applications that we can now deploy. So right. it's, it's less about the organizations being, uh, you know, less secure. It's more that the attack surface has gone and expanded to the point where it's almost impossible for one organization to be able to manage all of the security around the application layer, the infrastructure layer, and the database layer. Right. And Dave, you were talking about a big change you're seeing in, in the nature of these attacks. Uh, you talked a fair amount about social engineering. What is that? So what I'm seeing a lot of is if you think back to the news media, you'd hear a decade ago, oh, such and such broke in, got through the perimeter, kind of attacked from the outside. And a lot more now is happening from the inside. And it's not as an obvious malicious attack as much as it's a data gathering exercises. They're trying to be quiet. So they're taking the time to social engineer in, right? Can I get your credentials? Can I get your credentials even in a real-life scenario where I can get a hold of your badge? Maybe you leave it at the restaurant or at the bar and get into that building and get on that network and then start actually doing something that is more malicious. Um, a lot of this also comes back to what data can I gather? It may not be a huge value to make an obvious explosion, right? Or or to stop or break a website. It may be way more valuable for most of these hackers to gather recipes for drugs, schematics for hydraulics for a robotics company, or manufacturing processes, supply chain metrics. Go down even the path of if I can break into your financial system and find out how much you're paying for your acquisitions, maybe I can outbid you on acquisitions without having to spend too much. So the social engineering hack is sort of almost like a two-phase hack where yep. the first step is breaking into the building somehow, like the external PE. You, you Let me get your past in, the you perimeter. Get your badge yep. and you're bona fide and now you have a lot of room to move around. It's all the good it's Hollywood like all movies. all access pass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all, all the good Hollywood movies, right? How did I social yeah. engineer to get in? And then I can use my technical skills yeah. to gather information. Is that kind of how things like the target hack went down? Yeah. I mean, we're seeing that in a lot of the public hacks. And, and a lot of it is not as much public as much as we all know it. We say, oh, well, obviously they got on the network somehow. Are they tapping the line or are they finding somebody's account? Are they compromising? If it's a Boston attack, are they compromising someone who's still using Red Sox 2007 as their password, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and let's be honest, there's a lot of people in Boston that are still using Red Sox 2007 as their password. So <laughs> being able to go down that path and get onto the network, get the credentials you need, allows you to do so much more. The bothersome part of that is you think about situations where 
you know, you might have had a breach and you don't even know for like a year because someone's sort or of a sitting, decade. They're sitting yeah. on that data, right? Yep. It's so. way more valuable to sit on that data and just keep pulling what I need off than it is to show you I'm there. Right. So you guys just published a whole series of uh, HANA-related vulnerabilities for SAP. SAP is one of the main companies you work work with on this. Yep. Uh, by the time you published, you had already worked with SAP on a series of patches. Yep. So that's part of the white hat aspect of this. So Responsible so disclosure, essentially. The way that we do it with our customer base is when we identify, and our research team is brilliant. I, you know, In all the companies I've worked at, this is one of the most brilliant set of researchers I've encountered. But when they identify a new vulnerability, something that isn't even known yet by the product owners, then we tell the product owners, SAP, the Oracles, whoever it may be, here's the new vulnerability and here's how it works. And then we immediately start creating detection signatures that will allow aspects of our OSP product to look for breaches against that. We deploy those to our customers immediately, but we don't expose all of the information about what the vulnerability is because if that information gets out in the wild you've essentially just created a way for hackers right. to to find out and get into more things but we do deploy a set of signatures so that we can start analyzing traffic identifying within our customer base hey no one knows about this yet but you are definitely under attack right here and then we look for a public announcement like we had this week when SAP or when Oracle or when anyone is ready with patches that customers can apply. So together we can announce and say, here are the new vulnerabilities and here are the patches that, that SAP has provided. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and I mean, it's not, it, there, there's kind of that weird line of what's better, right? Do you want to tell everyone right away? Do you just want to tell SAP? And we found this middle ground of helping to protect our customers, but also telling the partner that we work with so that everyone can get the best benefit. And just to be clear for listeners, Dave's talking about customers. You guys have a customer base comprised of folks running software, largely SAP, but also some Oracle. Yes. And and so you're they're using your software solutions, those customers, but you're also working with the vendors in question. Yes. And that's sort of how this comes about is you periodically work with the vendors to publish what you've discovered. Right. We, we look at the vendors as partners. Yeah. We, we look at the SAPs and the Oracles as partners to our business. We want to share as much information with them as possible. And our customer base, our job is to help them be more secure. So behind the sensational media headlines <laughs> that certain bloggers that I'm going to criticize in my writing come up with, uh, you guys are doing what you would call responsible disclosure. Responsible process. disclosure, and yeah. in that traditional sense of white hat hacking. I mean, your, your statement yeah. in the beginning was accurate. Yep. So, in terms of how you guys look at this, what is your secret sauce? Is it, are you, are you trying to detect certain kinds of anomalies with the system? Are there, I mean, I know you can't give away all your IP on my podcast, I get that. <laughs> but uh, is it things like exceptions that, or... Or you notice fluctuations in usage that are strange? So so let me start, and then I'll let Alex jump in a little bit. I think there's a couple of things that we're trying to do. The first thing we're trying to do is identify where your particular business-critical system is vulnerable. 
Maybe you've missed a patch. Maybe you've missed a configuration aspect. Maybe you've allowed a default password to linger longer than you've realized. That person's gone, whatever it may be. So that's kind of an audit of the customer's landscape. That's an audit to start. Which in many cases might have old components or vulnerable things just like our laptops do and that kind of thing. Exactly. Right. And then the second part that we layer on top of that is what do we see from a traffic perspective that first has potential to utilize those vulnerabilities and second, has some analysis or anomalous aspect to that traffic that is unique or concerning. Um, and the example I think I gave before was if you, if you typically download a particular amount of meg of data every day between 10, and 3, 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. East Coast time, and all of a sudden your account is pulling five, six gigs of data from an HR system or a financial system at 2 a.m., it's extremely anomalous. And right. that's that's a clear indication that something odd is going on. Now, there may be a reason for that. Maybe it's a maintenance window. Maybe you're backing up to another database. It, there could be a legitimate reason, but it definitely merits somebody taking a look. And if you're not looking at your business-critical systems, your true, your SAPs, your Oracles, the stuff that are housing your financial, your HR, your business IP, for those type of anomalies – you're going to miss when a nation state or a hacker group is actually starting to pull back data that is critical to you. Right. Yeah. I'll take it uh, just one step further, and it's a slightly different tack, but part of our secret source is the people. So Dave talked about the research team. We have a phenomenal research team mm-hmm. who is looking for, you know, what are, the, what are the ways people are attacking today, and how do we think that we're going to be attacking tomorrow, and how can we build something that's ready for that? So I think that's a, a really important part of it is this, uh, investment we're making on the behalf of our customers in what do we think, you know, once people realize that the, the attacks that are working now are being blocked, what are they going to move to next and how can we be ready for that um, on behalf of our customers? All right, one more really hard question. How would you characterize your relationship with SAP and Oracle? <laughs> our relationships are very partner, um, and I think partner is the best word. We are we are in this together. They look for us to help them, um, and I think that our they're proud that our research team finds these type of things. You know, we're not trying to make anyone look bad. We're trying to do the best thing for our customers. And, you know, I, I think if it was 15 years ago, I think most of those type of companies would look at us and say, oh, who are those guys? They're making us look bad. But in today's market and the understanding of what goes on and the fact that we are so interconnected in so many companies, they see us as a true partner. And if we look at the uh, the 21 SAP vulnerabilities we were talking about before, uh, we did some webcasts today just kind of doing some analysis on them, and the, the researchers said that is the fastest response they've ever seen from a vendor in terms of time for us to disclose mm-hmm. it to them and time for the for SAP to release the, the vulnerability. So they're taking it seriously, and as Dave says, they're looking to ask some people like us to, to help them find these issues and, and patch them. Well, I haven't talked to Oracle about this, but I did talk with SAP because this thing was kind of in the press. There was a pretty uh, absurd headline on ZDNet around this sort of fear, fear-mongering, and so I wanted to hear from SAP on how dangerous these vulnerabilities were, and of course I found out you guys had already delivered all the requisite patches, and so <laughs> it was really much to do about nothing, but what I was struck by talking to SAP, and I'll be writing about this, was they basically said, look, our software is not perfect, and I really like hearing that, and I would like to think that Oracle would say something similar if I talked with them, um, and to me, that's what I want to hear from vendors, uh, because, now, now granted, I don't want them to be like lazy about yeah. that, but to me, that's the starting point. I don't want to hear them saying, 
don't worry, customers, we've got this one. We've got this under control. Your data is safe, blah, blah, blah. I want to hear them say, whatever it is, we're working with third parties to expose vulnerabilities. We're putting up bounties like some, I know some consumer tech companies have used bounties with individual hackers to, to find exploits and such. That's what I want to see. I want to see an acknowledgement that to stay one step ahead of this, we have to acknowledge, you know what, none of us are perfect, you know, and we have to aggressively achieve these results, you know. Absolutely. And and I tend not to go as much to the bounty side, which I've seen some of those, but yeah. you get into people that truly become mercenaries on the bounty side, which, right. which is not... Solutions yeah, withholding for, solutions. Can or, you double or, this? Or, or I'm only going to yeah. tell you this much because I can get more money out of this one. Yeah, but, yeah, I, yeah. but I definitely see the partnerships that are forming between companies like ourselves and vendors uh, like SAP that really become beneficial for everyone. Yeah. So one final thing, uh, just in terms of customer advice, uh, because I think a lot of customers, their landscapes are simply just not that secure. And it might be, I mean, you guys were showing me, you had a topology sort of map that showed all these systems and how they were connected. And you could simply have a dev system in some region somewhere that was never turned off. Um, or, Or your software is just not up to date or you didn't patch a certain component. So... What's the message to customers in terms of how they should approach these issues that can be kind of scary? Yeah, first, you want to go ahead and understand your landscape, just as you said, the topology map, right? Do I have one system, 10 systems, 100 systems? Uh, And then once you understand those systems, you then need to say, okay, how are they all connected, right? Uh, Connections are important because in the case of the vulnerabilities we just uh, discussed on Monday, uh, uh, the TrexNet Connect connection between the systems was a configuration issue as well. So yes, there was a patch available, but there's also a configuration issue. So it's important to understand the the topology, the connections between the systems, and then obviously go to the next level of, okay, what are the assets that are on those systems itself? Uh, Is it IP? Is it it data that is essential to a compliance issue? Uh, Is it a process, a business process that is essential for you to make money? (laughs) And understanding that will allow you to then uh, go ahead and start to think about, okay, do I have vulnerabilities on the systems? What do I need to, how do I prioritize them? Do I, do I fix them? Do I patch them? What do I, what do I do as an organization? What we find also is that the forward thinking organizations have Stop talking about, oh, that's a security issue, or that's an IT issue, or that's an SAP basis issue. They're basically saying, okay, how do we work together as a team? Because it might be everyone's issue in some, right. some shape, or, uh, shape or form. It could be an issue that uh, comes up that needs all three teams to talk together. And if you don't have the ability to have those discussions as, right. as a team, then you're basically trying to just do introductions while you're trying to solve, uh, you know, the fact that the building is starting to crumble around you, you know? So it's like, okay, many, many times what we do is we talk to organizations say, Hey, start working with the different teams before the issue starts happening or, you know, before the issue happening so that you have the processes in place, you have the taxonomy in place, you have the communications in place before, um, stuff happens. Yeah. For me, uh, obviously, I agree with all of that. Uh, it's important to remember that security is not a point in time. So it's a, it's a process and a framework. And there's many different frameworks out there. Very good point. Yeah, it, it truly is a process, a continuous process. Yeah. And a I, discipline, perhaps. Yes, exactly. 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 Yeah, yeah. And you have, to, you have to commit, you know, as an organization that there's value to us for doing this. You know, this is, this is the level of risk we're prepared to live with. And we need to do what we can to 
get us down to that risk, but it's, you're never, you might be at an at acceptable level today, and next week, I mean, you know, on Monday there were 21 new vulnerabilities, so on Friday you were fine, on Tuesday if you hadn't been keeping up with, with notes, etc., you suddenly you're in trouble, so it's... Yeah. It's it's something you commit to, and you know gotcha. I think this or, or even without the notes. On mm-hmm. Friday you were fine, and on Monday you let someone go, yeah. and on Tuesday you forgot <laughs> to turn off their account. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> there there are lots yeah. of uh, lots of ways, frequent. even yeah. without a new vulnerability, well, yeah. that you make that mistake. And <laughs> to your point, Dave, uh, many times what we see is that it's the simple elements that are overlooked because mm-hmm. everybody wants to talk the technical details, yeah. and the fact that you didn't turn off someone's access rights. And or change your no default play. password, change or default password. Removing, they're no longer yeah. play. They still have access yeah. to it. So there's basic things that need to continue to be looked at, as opposed to always going into the technical speeds and feeds. Right? <laughs> it's not always a big data issue, right? <laughs> it's not. I'm shocked. I thought everything was big data these days. <laughs> Massive analytics, yeah. big data. Yeah. <laughs> I will. I will point out a little of our big data. One of the things that we're trying to do is actually look across our customer base mm-hmm. to be able to identify emerging threats, bring that data back to our research team right. so that individual companies can say, oh, you, you know, you're seeing this on the rest of the oil and gas industry yes. or the rest of the manufacturing industry or the rest of the pharmaceutical industry. Maybe I should worry about that risk more than I thought. Yeah, threat intelligence is probably Huge. one of the biggest things we hear from our clients on how to correlate the data and provide that data across the industries so that they can get one step ahead. Because bottom line is the adversaries out there, they're already talking. They're talking yeah. via social media and they're they're doing a much better job of communicating with each other. And most of the organizations, um, or at least in the past, they basically say, I'd love to get the data, but I'll never share it. Right. And so that mindset that uh, for Global changing. 2000 is starting to change. And they're saying, we absolutely need to share data. Well, and the bad news is, unfortunately, some of the so-called black hats are really, really good at what they do mm-hmm. and using these networks. And you guys have your work cut out for you dealing with some of that. And unfortunately, some of the incidents you're trying to prevent are incidents where you never want to have to do an audit afterwards. It's it's an incident you never want to have happened. And that's mm-hmm. a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. It is. So, well, there you have it inside several white hats, uh, the, the otherwise known as security par- your security partners. <laughs> Thanks, guys. And uh, for those of you who like like my longer podcast, all I got to say is I have these guys cooped up in this one for an hour, and it's happy hour here, so that's all you're going to get. But I appreciate your time. John, thanks. We're happy to have you back, John. Thank you.